Welcome to Bound by Books. I'm sci-fi author Tina Moss, and today I am joined by a very special guest, my dear friend, gothic horror <laughs> writer, Danielle DeVore. Danielle! <laughs> so tell our audience a little bit about what you write. Well, I mostly write dark, fa- what I call dark fantasy. It mm. is more of like a horror fantasy, but um, my series is called The Marker Chronicles, and it's about a wayward exorcist and his witchy girlfriend who run around and exercise people and fight like, you know, reanimated corpses that are possessed by a demon and things like that. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and I, I am biased, I will say, for the series because I absolutely love it. And it is, she, Danielle is one of our City Owl authors. She's also my assistant. Um, I also edit for her. So yes. <laughs> we have, we have a lot of connections and I am biased toward the series, but I am not the only one because it was just a, you know, a handful of years ago that Examiner named you one of their top 10 women in horror they did so and that was i was like cool. so shocked <laughs> like because i didn't even know i was in the running it was just like wow cool <laughs> right exactly so and if you are listening to us you have to come over to youtube to see because today we are talking all things spooky we are in halloween mode danielle yes. is a do you call yourself a goth like are you a yeah i consider myself goth, goth. Oh, it's awesome. So um, I actually became a goth like, you know, back in the 80s when it was huge. And I was like a kid goth, like oh, literally, you so know, fun. my uh, next door neighbor had um, I was friends with a little girl. Her name was Gita. And the older daughter, Najma, was into goth and punk. Awesome. And she was the one that introduced me to Bauhaus and all this stuff. <laughs> and so, like, you know, I was eight years. I'm an eight year old goth, you know, in the 80s. I love that. That's awesome. Okay, and show us show us our Halloween decor. Oh, we, yes. we are decked out. Yes, I have Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> yes, and I, I have Yoda in um or or Grogu. I'm not even sure which one it was in, in pumpkins with the with the Mandalorian hat. So it's probably <laughs> Grogu, who that's never should awesome. have been named Grogu, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so and I actually have makeup on today. I did, it I did looks my fabulous. orange and green. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I had a lot of fun. I did a get ready with me on TikTok live this morning. That was oh, very fun. cool. Yeah, I was like, I got to get into the Halloween spirit. I'm ready for it. Absolutely. So, Danielle, my first question in all things spooky is, where the heck do your ideas come from when you're oh, trying gosh. to write the write the write the spookiness? Where because they can come from? from literally anywhere. Like one of the like first bits of advice I ever got when I was going to be an author, I decided I was going to like jump in, you know, face first into the swimming pool was do not use movies and TV shows as inspiration. Mm-hmm. No, that <laughs> is not good advice because Agree. just as long as you're not using, like you're not like copying the plot or something, mm-hmm. you can get inspiration for anything. Yeah, um, for sure. So, you know, I would say because I've had this lifetime of watching horror films and reading horror books that all of it has influenced me. And so my brain tends to think of things like, what is a good lead up to a suspenseful point mm-hmm. and things that's like great, that. Yeah. That's a great point. And so, you know, like other authors, like I'll get ideas in the bathtub or whatever, mm-hmm. but you know, I definitely think that my devouring of horror media plays a large role in my ability to write horror. Yeah. That makes sense. You were saying that um, 
building up to a suspenseful point. That's mm-hmm. that I would say is probably a really good indicator of a well-constructed and well-written horror in general when you yes. have that level of build up because I find and I don't know about you but certain genres within horror kind of don't have that don't have that yes. suspenseful build up they kind of like hit you over the head with it right in the beginning I'm thinking of like the traditional slasher fic flicks, yeah. right not the ones where you're like going to the camp and then mm-hmm. getting freaked out because it's dark in the woods and you hear a rattle, you know, that's, that's a buildup, but the ones that have like the opening boom, so to speak, like mm-hmm. the, the opening scene of like, okay, here's a massacre or whatever horrific is happening. Right. And then it doesn't peter down from that. It You kind of can have that moment in the beginning, but then you have to have the buildup to, well, how did that happen? And I yeah. find that some of the horror, especially in the, the older slasher flicks, mm-hmm. has like no downtime, no rest time, no yes. in between. And in my opinion, that's definitely kind of like you not you know have you not there? You have an <laughs> idea of like what is something that's well written. To me, what makes horror horror is when it evokes a feeling of terror in the reader. Mm-hmm. so if it doesn't evoke a feeling of terror it's not horror right but you have to make that terror grounded yeah and when you have essentially literary jump scares constantly mm-hmm. that's not necessarily grounding your terror that's, that's such just a like good way to put you it you know just a shock moment yes and then after a bit you're not really shocked anymore because they keep happening Right. But if, like, um, Stephen King's Salem's Law is a really good example. You have an author who moves back to a small town to write about a creepy house that there's been, like, ghost stories about for years. And, you know, the most of the book is just, you know, how the author in the book is adapting to small town life and dealing with, you know, people getting in his business when they shouldn't and so, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then the creepy stuff starts happening. And right. it almost wiggles its way in like a plume of smoke Mm -hmm. and then it starts enveloping the rest of everything and then you're finally faced with oh my god here's the vampires what the heck do we do and then you get you know climax upon climax and then it really hits you over the head and so i think that's what makes salem's lot one of the most well-written vampire stories that have been written to this date because there is that creeping in and yeah. this evocative of the terror that's grounded in real life. Yeah, and I think Stephen King in general, love him or hate him, nobody's going to argue that he, you know, he it has influenced the market Yes, and, and writers of today on what horror is and what horror is in a modern sense. And I do think that he is incredibly brilliant in having that really, like, grounded terror as you put it it was a perfect mm-hmm. way to put it and having that build up to the more you know spookier kinds of situations and scenes mm-hmm. it's it's very believable and yes. because you're immersed in it and because you're you know because it is so believable by the time we get to the things that would be considered unbelievable we're already on the path we're already on the journey with him mm-hmm. but it's what he does really well yes so in your series when you started writing <laughs> jimmy holiday Yes. Tell us a little bit about 
how you decided to construct your book because with yours I very much consider it horror but it's also there's a lot of comedy it's yeah. not horror comedy right it's no. not that because that's a totally different genre yes but there is a lot of comedic elements in your book that I personally feel like add something really special right because horror in general is either horrific and terrifying mm-hmm. usually or there is this whole other horror comedy which is kind of like a parody kind of a spoof on horror yours is somewhere in between I like actually the reason I started writing Star's Point was it actually came about because my cousin is also a performed horror addict and Josh and I would go to horror films with each other all the time he was like my theater buddy and he also writes but I keep needling him because there's this one story that he needs to actually make into a novel but I digress <laughs> so he and I had just this was you know like roughly 20 10 2011 and at the time there hadn't been a lot of like really solid horror films come out Mm -hmm. i hadn't really read any like solid horror novels that had really struck my fancy and we had just recently gone to see and i don't even remember what movie it was but whatever it was made me mad because they had gotten such a budget amount to make this movie and it was a piece of crap crap. yeah and i just went off on this rant to my cousin i was like you know it's not that hard mm-hmm. you can say have this creepy house and there's this evil guy that lives there he's rich and he participates in black magic because he wants more and more money and he wants to conquer the world or whatever it is and there's a cop that comes up to a window and oh my god the black magician's chewing on a child's leg mm-hmm. and Josh was like, yeah, that would make a really awesome thing. Oh my gosh. So it was like kind of off the cuff thing? Yeah, totally. (laughs) And at first, like when I first started writing it, I actually was writing it in the point of view of the father. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't working. I just could not get it there. Like the tone was off and everything. And I was literally driving down um, through this business district in my town that's called Saberton. And it is like kind of older and stuff and the buildings are very much like 1970s and stuff but there's like hardware stores and fast food restaurants and everything and it just popped in my head no one has at this point written anything in the point of view of the priest mm-hmm. but what if he's not a priest what if he's been defrocked oh very cool <laughs> so that that's when when i figured out who jimmy was that's when things took off oh i love it in terms so how of did the you get comedy, to G- yeah, how did you get to Jimmy Holiday then? Because you know he's he's a character. I, the, the funny thing is, Tina, is that so far I have not been able to write a straight horror story. <laughs> Everything has to ha- ends up with these elements of comedy, and I think that that is directly influenced from me being a child of the eighties. Because mm-hmm. if you watch, you know, eighties horror films. There's a ton of comedy in them. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what, you know, whether it's monsters or slashes or whatever, there's comedic moments in mm-hmm. all of those. And my general personality tends to be this comedic thing. And so in the back of my head, there's always this little voice like, oh, this would be funny. You know, and so stuff ends up incorporated into my writing. And that's just kind of, I kind of mesh in my head horror and comedy together so easily 
that I can't stop it from coming out. I love that. And I do think it it's a really good indication of that grounding again mm-hmm. and making it believable because like people do stupid shit all the time. Like yes. people are funny, you know, people And you know, it's like the cliche <laughs> is, you know, the girl stumbling stumbling over her own feet down the uh-huh. wood. Right. But we all trip over things. <laughs> Or, you know, you're trying to, like, stab somebody and you end up stabbing your own hand. I mean, (laughs) klutz moments happen. And to me, that's much more realistic than having, you know, this, you know, final girl who does everything perfect. Right. Exactly. Especially, I I love in, you know, the the typical old school horror is when that girl is the virginal perfect girl. And, Mm -hmm. of course, she's going to survive to the end and... You know, she's just amazing in everything that she does. Meanwhile, she's like, you know, 17, 18 years old. And (laughs) who the heck is like that? In my opinion, like that (laughs) type of character you just described is the horror equivalent of the Mary Sue. Yes, exactly. Exactly. We need we need a good name for um, the horror Mary Sue. But yeah, 100 percent. So just thinking also about horror in general as a genre whether it's in film tv or books what do you think is the big differences between like the 80s horror up till today like where do you see the horror genre going into modern times i think the biggest thing is that and i'm not necessarily saying this is bad or good Mm -hmm. but in the 80s and the 70s and a little bit in the 60s people were more free Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that they put everything on screen. They didn't worry about like, is this item going to offend someone? Mm. You know, every it was just everything was put out there, and sometimes not in a good way, mm-hmm. but sometimes in a very good way because it grounded the realism. And I think today a lot of authors are too afraid to put the gruesome there that could cause a trigger in someone Mm, that's a good point you know when you get into trigger warnings with horror it gets very tricky yeah because kind of the point of horror is to trigger you you're supposed to be upset you're supposed to be frightened so it gets funky trying to figure out like, for instance, when you make a list of trigger warnings on your website, mm-hmm. which, of course, you know, that's a standard thing at this point. It's very hard for a horror author to write out the triggers. Right. Because you kind of get kind of lost in this quagmire of, okay, that's kind of my whole book is triggering. Right. Because essentially the genre itself. Yeah is a trigger exactly it's supposed to trigger you like if you have your it's horrific yes (laughs) it's in the name it's supposed to make you uncomfortable it's supposed to make you scared and make your heart like thump in your chest and everything so it becomes very interesting and difficult to kind of navigate that that's a really great point do you think that's almost i mean part of it of course is our culture today is being more aware of sensitivities of being more aware of of trauma and what people are dealing with and i think that's a good thing in terms of mental health but on the flip side of that do you think that in horror specifically it might be a response to kind of the the open brutality and open gruesomeness in things that we got like saw and hostile and where it was like much more graphic 
or is that no, just kind of like actually natural? because there are films in the 70s that are much more graphic than saw and hostel that's a good point you're right like mark of the devil was like you know that was one of the first movies that they handed out vomit bags in the theater mm. and it's still very graphic today i mean so that was going on way back then Mm-hmm. So I don't think that Hostel and Saw and things of the early 2000s are really representative of it. I mm-hmm. think that horror goes through waves. Mm. And I think that sometimes in a direct response to the horrors that are currently occurring in like our social climate mm-hmm. get reflected in horror, which makes sense because you want to evoke that feeling of terror. So what's an easy thing to do? You take what's going on around you and you put it in a movie. Right. Right. Exactly. So where do you see horror now going? Do you feel like it's more stifled in the sense that like now we can't necessarily put everything on the page or the screen that we did before or do you think there's going to be like this reactionary thing where it goes in the other direction they're like okay now we're going to put it back all on there yes and no like some things i don't think belongs there like um i recently finished reading a book called those across the river by christopher buleman and he had published it in 2012 and it's a werewolf story taking place in the 1930s in Georgia. He is a white author and he made the choice to use the N-word mm. from several characters extensively. Mm-hmm. On one hand, I understand the wanting to be realistic. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there are certain things that are bothersome to me as a person that cares about other people Mm -hmm. and knowing that that word has so much horrific history yeah and it is very harmful to people i i have trouble with the amount of times he used it in the book Mm -hmm. he did later come out and say you know as a you know the way he has grown now he would never have written the book the way he did and things like that so i give him props for that but i think even in 2010 and 2012 because i'm sure he was writing it prior to 2012 sure you knew we all knew yeah (laughs) not a word to use right and you know if i were going to write a realistic story based on that time period I would not have written out the word. It would have been yeah. N and dashes. I would mm-hmm. never have written out the word. Right. Um, but do where do I think things are going? I think the people do feel stifled because it seems like it's beyond just horrific words that are now becoming problematic. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that, you know, before... Nobody worried about, like, if there was one character that happened to be racist on screen, the idea was to punish that person for their actions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because horror is also very much a morality tale. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so things were handled in that way. Now you have to wander the line of, okay, you have this character, but a lot of people don't seem to make the separation between you're writing a character that gets punished for the misdeeds versus you yourself as an author 
they think that you must think this way because you have written this character like this way. That's that's a great point. Yeah, how do you how do you balance that? Especially, I think as a somebody who's delving into horror, whether it's a new author or established author, maybe you've you've written certain things in the past in a certain way. How do you kind of navigate this not new world, but this more um, you know this this more enlightened world? To be yes. honest, how do you navigate the needs of your audience versus the representation in your books, and and how that could be potentially harmful? I think one of the best ways I've seen is actually by extreme horror authors. And they usually put a note at the beginning of their book that states that, you know, this is a book featuring reprehensible horror. Mm. The characters in this novel are not likable. That is not a reflection of me. I am an author writing a story because these evils exist in the world and more light needs to be brought to them or, you know, etc. I think that is a very powerful thing, and I think that's a very useful thing, and I think every author has to decide for themselves what things they are comfortable with putting in a story. Mm-hmm. There is something very cathartic, too, about seeing somebody who we would view as, you know, not a great person being punished for things that, you know, we do not agree with. And Exactly. And there is... I think there is something to that. And I do think there's a lot of value in it. Mm -hmm. I just wonder where, because the line for everybody is different, right? Everybody has their line in the sand and yours is not going to be the same as mine. Obviously we're going to agree. Hopefully we're going to agree on on a lot of things, Yes, um, but there's going to be different points for all of us. And I do think you're right in the sense that having that kind of author's note in the beginning and the reminder of like, Hey, you know, if you're not in the right headspace for this type of book, totally cool. Lots of yeah. other books. No, you know, no harm, no foul. Go go and grab one of those because this is what's in the book. Like this is yes. be prepared for it. Basically. Exactly. And I think there are some parallels, too, with how um, dark romance is experiencing mm-hmm. this and with horror. But I think the difference in in those two genres is with dark romance, there's. They're playing a lot with issues of consent and and mm-hmm. um, things of that nature that are very specific to a you know female presenting audience. Mm-hmm. Whereas horror typically is more um, male dominated and uh, male focused. Do you feel like there's a re- and not to say that women don't read horror, but just no. in general in terms of marketing. How, what do you think the difference is if you're marketing a book towards a male audience versus a female audience in the horror genre? Well, one of the things that's really interesting about horror that a lot of people don't really think about is that horror has always been one of the most accepting of genres. Um, you know, we have had LBGTQ representation from the earliest days. And, True. you know... Um, while the name of the film is calling them black exploitation in the 70s, people embraced films with all black cast doing different things with black heroes in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So horror, I think, in that regard, is much more accepting than other genres. In terms of marketing, it used to be that horror was marketed to 
16 to 23 year old males. Males. Mm -hmm. Now, I think because they have realized that a lot of women enjoy horror and it's not just, you know, like horror that has romance mm -hmm. because, you know, the marketers are still very much romance is a female only thing, which it right. is not, but mm -hmm. you know how marketers are. Yep. Now, I've been noticing that horror is very much marketed more as a unisex thing, mm -hmm. which I think is a very smart thing to do because, you know, we have as a society come to recognize there are more than just male and female genders mm -hmm. and it makes more sense to market to everyone instead of just this one little pinpoint because, you know, there's a lot more people in the world than just this one little pinpoint section. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point, too. And I always feel like growing up, right, I mm -hmm. and we've talked about this before, I would have identified as a tomboy, which is not mm -hmm. even a word we really use anymore. But yes. I was always much more into like what was, quote unquote, boy things. Yes. And what was geared towards, you know, boy toys, etc. Mm -hmm. So growing up, I always felt like this weird um, misidentity. Like, why do yeah. I love the horror genre so much? Why am I so attracted to this if this is not something for me? And, and going forward from there, obviously, as an adult, I'm like, well, that's because, you know, we were stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had I a little bit of a different thing. <laughs> I don't know if it's because of the way my dad is, which my dad plays a huge role in the reason that Jimmy acts the way he does. But I was kind of brought up to rebel against things. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I liked horror and I liked boys things was like a rebellion against society at large. Nice. Which is actually a very punk rock thing to do as a kid. <laughs> it is. <laughs> That's awesome. So with all things like writing wise, when you're writing spooky things, is there any advice that you could give to maybe some of our you know, younger audience or authors just starting out in the genre that you wish you would have known when you were starting? Um, The biggest thing is do not put your eggs in like a writing group basket. And the reason mm. I say that is that most writing groups are not ready for horror. And the advice that they give is not suited to the horror genre. That's excellent. Yeah. What do you feel? So do you feel it's more beneficial then for those writers to kind of find other horror writers to have a writer? Very much with? so. Very mm. much so. Because the, and I don't really want to say beats because I actually don't write to beats. I'm a total pantser, which like some people <laughs> that blows their mind that I can do this and not like have everything outlined. But I think that you have to, you kind of innately as a horror author know the things that you need to incorporate in your book to make it a scary story. And I'm not talking about gore, but you know, you know that you need points in the story that will lead you up to the big climax. Mm -hmm. And you know that the climax has to hit hard in horror. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you know, you have to create that feeling of unease. So you need to have other people that are used to creating that feeling of unease to help to guide you on how to learn how to do that. That's good advice. Do you feel like because horror is also has many subgenres in it, that we, we, we didn't get into too much, but do you feel like if you're starting out with a story, 
should you know what subgenre of horror you're writing or kind of just let the story flow where it is since you are a pantser? What do you think? I think it depends on what you're planning on writing. Like, um, like I knew when I was writing Sars Point that it was kind of a haunted house book with a demonic possession and there was a priest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right there is your subset of horror. You know what genre it is. Right. You know if you're going to write a vampire story. You know if you're going to write about, you know, a monster. Or you know if you're writing a slasher. You have to kind of know that, at least that, before you go further. Because, you know, you can't have a horror story story that doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. A really good example of this is a horror movie called They Come at Night. And then it was like nothing came at night. And it was <laughs> such a letdown because nothing happened. <laughs> And you're going to get, like, a lot of people that, you know, it's like, you kind of went for the gusto, and then, you know, you're total, like, you're just slammed to a brick wall, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. So you have to have the payoff. Do you Otherwise, think that... you're really going to annoy people. <laughs> yes, true. And I almost feel, and, and tell me how, what you think about this, the plot twist has become not synonymous with horror but almost like a convention of the genre i feel like with like m night Shyamalan films back in the day he kind of not that he created it but it it became almost synonymous do you feel like we're moving away from that the plot twist i think so because it's almost become cliche Mm -hmm. it's become expected and once something is expected it's no longer horrifying Mm -hmm. yep that's kind of the feeling that i've been getting lately and and I, I kind of like it because I feel like with m- like a lot of modern day stories, we're getting the buildup and we're getting the the payoff, but not mm-hmm. necessarily in the sense like, oh, we have to twist the whole story around now. Right. It's kind of like even if you can see where it's going, I feel like the authors are doing it so well and taking you on the journey um, that you don't necessarily need the plot twist. I mean, I still love a good plot twist, but I, I have sure. noticed recently that like that seems to be a thing that is going away and i think it's yeah. because it, it did become so over yeah it was it was used way too much and i almost want to say that we are kind of moving back because the plot twist in horror was something that was so popular from i want to say roughly 85 on mm-hmm. and now we're going back before that and just telling a straightforward scary story Right. And I think that's a good thing because we need breaks from things to where they'll affect us again. Mm-hmm. It's it's and horror also deals with a lot of desensitization. Mm-hmm. So in order for horror to be effective, you can't have your audience be desensitized to whatever it is you're doing. Which is why, you know, these days if you're gonna write a vampire story, you better make that really unique. Yeah, that's a good hundred percent because vampires have been every Dumb. which way, you know, back and <laughs> forth, sideways, slant ways, upside yeah. down, you know. So you have to do something extremely unique to make a vampire story effective. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that's really important for new horror authors to understand is that because there has been so many prolific, specific tropes used in the horror genre, you have to make sure that your story really is, in fact, unique. Which harkens back to another piece of advice, which I know that you've mentioned before on the podcast, and that is know your genre. Read oh, yeah. every book you can 
before you start your story so that you know what the current tropes are, what has been overdone, so on and so forth. Oh, I'm a big advocate of that for sure. Okay, well, before we go, we have to do a rapid fire round. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so no overthinking. Some of these okay. questions will be harder than others, but are okay. you ready? Sure. Okay. First okay. of all, pumpkin spice, yes or no? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting off easy. Ready? Yes. Here comes the harder ones. Favorite vampire. Lestat. Nice. Yeah. Favorite horror movie of the 80s. Probably The Lost Boys. Yeah, I figured you're going to say that one. Yeah. Okay, now we're just going to go decades, 90s. Okay. <laughs> Interview with the Vampire. Yeah. 2000s. Queen of the Damned. Wow! Oh, that's that's a surprising one for me. Okay. 2010s to, to modern day. I think this is prior to 2010, but I didn't see it until recently, so that'd be probably the Poughkeepsie we'll tapes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Favorite horror writer? Richard Matheson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Favorite horror book? That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a series if you want. Um, That doesn't help, actually, because most horror is Our standalone. Standalone. Yeah. yeah. Um, top three. Top three. I'll the Shining, that. Salem's Lot, and The House of Leaves. Ooh, very nice. Okay. Uh one more, let me think. Okay. So last question. Okay. If you could be one horrific type of creature, but not a vampire, what would it be? Probably a werewolf. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'd be a werewolf too. It feels it feels I mean the, right. the disadvantage, <laughs> of course, is that I can imagine the change is horrifically painful. Yeah, I mean, I know like a lot of different writers have done it a lot of different ways, but just from a logistical perspective, it feels like it would not be a yeah, fun time. Exactly. Not be or maybe a witch. I think I would also like witchy vibes. Yeah. But I, I don't vibes. necessarily think of witches as creatures. That's a good point. That makes any weird sense. That's a good For point. For me, a creature like now a cat sith would be interesting. Mm. Any kind of shifter, really. Actually, yeah. I think about it. So awesome. But thank you so much. I appreciate oh, sure. your your time and your rapid fire questions. And I hope that for those out there listening or watching that you have a very happy Halloween and that you've enjoyed this episode of All Things Spooky. Yes. Join us and... again next week as we talk more about books in this podcast, Bound by Books. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts, visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.